Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. On today's episode, we welcome Grant Setnica of GS Cutting Horses to the show. A little Skype episode with Grant, talk all things, uh, his show career, um, what he's been up to during the coronavirus outbreak, and his thoughts on Mr. Joe Exotic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Dennis Moreland Tack. Tack handcrafted by Cowboys for Cowboys for 43 years and counting. Since 1976, Dennis has built high-quality tack for training, working, and showing. Get the best. Get your tack at Dennis Moreland Tack. Be sure to visit www.dmtac.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. We got some more quarantine content for everybody today. Joining the show, we got myself, Caden Rutherford, Cody Hedlund, Colburn Larson, and joining the show, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Grant Setnica. Grant, welcome to the show. How are things, man? Thank you, thank you. Uh, things are things are kind of weird right now, but but I'm going to try to talk about a few things and ho- hopefully keep it positive. Do something. I'm glad you guys called me. We had plenty of time. Nothing. Love it. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. We figured you were pretty upbeat, funny dude, perfect guy yeah. to uh, get on here and provide some uh, comic relief during these stressful times. I know a lot of people are concerned with everything that's going on, so hopefully we can distract the people for a little bit. Grant? Um, oh, I know my three-year-olds wish this coronavirus would be <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's I'm sure. more than just yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Grant, how did you get started training horses, man? So, kind of, um, you know, uh well, just to start off, I um, I grew up in a small town in Southern California. I grew up in a subdivision, like never had a even a dog growing up. Like you know, um, had a little backyard, and that was about it. And um, one of my good friends, his his dad was a horse trainer. His name's Tucker Robinson, and his dad's name is Teddy Robinson, who won quite a bit in the rain cow horse stuff won the fraternity like seven times and when i was down hanging around there um he was in his heyday so to speak and um so that's that's teddy said if i would help him do some stuff around there i could i could get a rope horse and keep some keep a horse down there because tucker and i like to team rope and um that's where i kept my horse and you know everything kind of snowballed into uh into uh you know what it is now but i basically the biggest fight i ever had with my parents was i told them i didn't i didn't want to go to college i wanted to um i wanted to train horses and at the time Corey cushing who was another good friend of mine he um he was working for teddy's well. he got me a job training rope horses um in arizona for jason hershberger and i worked for hershberger for three and a half years and realized I didn't rope good enough to make a living at it or not the living I wanted. So I asked Teddy if I could come home and work for him and do the cow horse. And he, he told me, no, he, he didn't think um, I should train horses, which was, you know, his way of, you know, protecting me, I guess he wanted me to go to college and stuff like that. But, um, I ended up getting a job with Doug Williamson and I worked for him for oh, a couple years. And how old? How old were you, were you when you started working there? 
I, I moved out when I was 17. When I was when I worked for Doug, I was uh, 21, 22, 23, and uh, he was he was awesome. Uh, he just he really uh, he's a you know a dying breed. I mean, I don't mean to say that because he's older, but I mean he's just the horse. Those guys know it's just unbelievable, and and we're so specialized now um, that I think a lot of the stuff. You know, our vets are so good and our, you know, we have so many nice horses to ride. We don't need to be as, as, uh, well knowledge as those guys are. But I mean, Doug could be a vet. He can read x-rays. He could train a pleasure horse. He could train a raining horse. He could train a rope horse. He, you know, they had to do it all back in the day. So, um, I call it my Dougie file and there's, there's not one thing I don't, I, I pull something from my Dougie file almost every day, you know, whether it's, uh, a little bit that he showed me or a little string you can put here or you know hobbling one or whatever it is you know i am um, so that was awesome he was he was probably one of the most influential ones um and teddy was unbelievable as well but he just he didn't really ever want me to do it so he didn't you know try to spend as much time with me um and so i got a job um there was an ad in the core horse news Black Rock Ranch was looking for a vet and a horse trainer, and so I applied for the job. Went up there, and um, this was around 2006, just to ride two-year-olds, um, and met Marshall Chesron, who's still a good friend to this day, and worked for him for oh man, I want to say probably six years, six seven years, and um, he was he gave me an. I mean, unbelievable opportunity. He, I remember like it was yesterday. He went and um, he did a – Leon Harrell and Rick Gallus were kind of partners, and they were doing these clinics down in Southern California. And he had a place in Newport Beach that he stayed at, Marshall did. And so I had, I think, eight two-year-olds to ride. And they were – at the time, he, he was doing some business with Carol Rose, and he had cutters and rainers and all kinds of stuff. And – um rain cow horses and stuff like that and so he called me one day he said man i just did this clinic down here with leon and uh rick gallus and he knew rick gallus through the car business and so he said this was like the most fun i've ever had on a horse he said do you know how to train a cutting horse i said absolutely and <laughs> i mean i had no idea I'd never trained one in my life but I've, how hard can it be you know like if you can rope and you know, do cow horse cutting is like easy, you know? Yeah. So that's the way I looked at it. Um, obviously it's not that easy and it's very, very intricate, but, um, so he, he was unbelievable in game. We learned together and there's not a lot of, you know, mid 20 year old guys that here's a 12 horse, a brand new semi and like, go, just go learn how to show. And, um, it was neat because we did learn together. If I hot quit or I was like, can you believe I did that? And he's like, man, I did it yesterday. You know, like, so it was, it was a great, great dynamic that way. And, um, and, um, he was in uh, second home real estate and in 2008, 2009, when the economy wasn't very good, um, uh, the, you know, the, the ranch took a pretty big hit. So that's when um, I decided if I'm going to do this, I got to jump in with both feet and live in Texas. And 
So then I leased uh, Tom Lyons' place for a couple of years so I could afford to find my own place, and the rest is history, so to speak. Yeah, that Grandview place, um, I loved going down there. I think I went down there a handful of times with Tommy D and hung out with you. That was a sweet, sweet setup down there. Just cattle, green grass for miles every which way you looked. Grant, when you, when you got started uh, on the journey of training cutting horses, uh, how many days or months or however long did it take till you that realization came in that it was like, well, okay, wow, there's going to be – a lot of work to come before I can get all of this figured out. Um, I okay. So for the first year, I really say I had like a, a show string was in two thousand eight, and I trained. I think I had I showed six at the small fraternities, and I had no idea what I was doing. And they were pretty darn like I did a pretty good job because I didn't try to make it too good. Okay, the next year. I was like, okay, if that was good, watch this. And then I was all messed up. <laughs> I was like, if I was good, watch this. I'm going to make it that much better. And um, Cody knows growing up out there, like, the, the small fraternities are a big deal on the West Coast. And, like, I mean, I take a lot of pride in, in you know, I think it was really cool the time I was start. You know, kind of back here, I would say more in Texas, the small fraternities are looked at for a horse that's not quite good enough for the big fraternity. Well, back there, um, a lot of guys would show their best ones at the small fraternities. And um, the time, or the era, like 2008, 2009, when I was doing it, every, like, I mean, there was, I remember one year at Pacific Coast, we had a semifinals because there were so many three-year-olds, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But um, to answer your question, I would say uh, when I once I once I made it really complicated after I had some success, that's when I realized, oh my god, this is so hard. What am I doing? You know, <laughs> and then um, you know, and then just over the years, just realizing that um, you know, just just trying to train each horse as good as it can be. I mean, if you get that special one, you know, it's going to be your 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 time. I think a lot of young trainers don't they don't understand. When they watch, you know, um, at the time, like Matt Gaines was showing, I'm counting checks and just, you know, 228s. And it's not that he's like training that horse better than you and he's phenomenal. That's a really freaking good horse, too. Yeah. And I think a lot of young trainers will just like, and I'm, I'm guilty. Like, I'd watch him work the flag and I was like, man, that was awesome. And I'd tried on my horses that were average and it didn't work. It went backwards, and uh, that's that's the biggest thing I think I've learned over the years. Not I don't want to be lazy and say, well, this horse just isn't good enough. I want to try to train every horse they got to the best of their ability. But when you get when you get that special one, um, then you know it's not like you do. It's almost even harder to keep from doing it because they want to do so much so much more. I don't care what anybody says. There's no such thing as an easy horse. Like they're all hard. The you know the average ones you got to motivate them and then the good ones you got to throttle them down. So it's just it's it's always you know it's it's just I don't think anybody ever feels like okay I got this figured out. You know I think everybody's always trying to get better and you know like uh, John Mitchell who I respect as a horse trainer he came and sat on my fence the other day and didn't want anything did he just wanted to watch. I, that's pretty cool 
and not anything to do with me, but it's pretty cool that someone that's been doing this that, that long is still motivated and wants to go, like, you know, he said, I don't know about you, but I just learned by watching, and well, I'm going to go do the same thing at his house next week, you know, and that to me is, is one of the benefits about living down here is, is, is you know, everybody can stay really competitive. So you talked about 2008 and how green you were. How good of a horse uh, was Chatty Little Kitty to carry you to the West Texas Futurity Championship, and then you went out to El Rancho and went ahead and picked up the El Rancho Futurity Championship aboard that same horse. She she was a tiny horse, like, and I'm a bigger guy. She was a smaller mare. She had a heart like the size of you know Texas. She she was unbelievable. As as far as how good of a horse was she. That's what made her good was her grit. And I think we had her, you know, and that's too, that's a horse. I honestly think I would have messed her up if I had her a couple of years later because I would have tried to make her go stop bigger and hold longer and all these things that I was making so much harder on myself. And then that mare, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just honestly, I just didn't want to embarrass the ranch and embarrass myself. So I just tried to just like, inside a cow and let my horse be smart and that's it and um man we made some nice horses so that matter was i learned i learned so much about um just about how um if if you that mare her heart and her the way she tried was was the best thing about her she wasn't the best athlete she wasn't the best you know i've ridden you know better horses but she was just so smart and uh and and her grit and her try which I don't think you can train that. You know, you they either got it or they don't. So you mentioned um, coming from Idaho and coming diving in headfirst and moving to Texas. Uh, now you reside and work over at the J5 Horse Ranch in Weatherford, Texas. Um, you guys had a fun year last year, and everybody knows about Itchy's My Choice, the 2016 horse of the year open horse of the year um what's it been like to be in that program and what's it like to have a horse like that sideburns richard jordan trained you followed that guy very well and it seems like you fit his horses um tremendously so talk a little about j5 and and itchy's my choice super trooper constance daniel and uh kind of what they've uh, been like to be around and work for yeah so um uh, unbelievable and um, they're they're you know daniel's the type of guy he told me when he when he interviews someone like for his businesses for his you know for mercuria he never looks at where they went to school or you know the resume he just he's he's amazing he's incredibly smart about just sitting down and getting to know someone and and he then he'll you know go from there um, so with that said, um, it's really interesting. It's really, I'm just really, we're so blessed. Look at all the people you guys have met in cutting because of cutting, you know what I mean? We're talking people we would have never met the way we grew up if it wasn't for the horses. And these are just some of the same people. I, I would put them up there as, you know, just, and just, um, like for example, um, last year I had a dual ray mare that I made the semifinals on and, um, I'd already shown her in the open and I think I marked a 17 and a half and a 19 and like we did great. Everybody's happy. 
I told Daniel, I said, um, and he had a couple three-year-olds that weren't, that were just okay, nothing unbelievable. And I said, I want, I want you to show that Dory mare. And he said, I don't want to put that pressure on myself. Like he's just so selfless, you know, and a lot of owners, you know, would say, well, you know, I'm showing the mare, which I understand it's their horse. But uh, just that's one example of just how, yeah. how how he gets it, you know. Grant, so I think you are a perfect person to get uh, a little bit deep on some training talk. Just, I mean, I mean, it speaks for itself. I mean, how many horses you made the Open Fraternity Finals on? Um, I mean, as far as it goes on advice or just – just things that you try to do day in and day out say i mean i guess the first question would be early on uh in a in the three-year-old's uh year what are some things that you're looking at just at, for, from the the horse's perspective that you think gives that horse some potential to maybe be a horse for the big fraternity well if 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 someone buys it for a lot of money, then they expect me to show it at the big church. For sure. You know? So like there's, there's those dynamics that's like kind of, and I, I got to, I want to try to, I'm going to ride the two best horses down there, but I'm going to balance that as well as taking care of my people, you know, like the people that take care of me. So there's that fine line, but bottom line, um, I just look for, I'm probably, I'm probably the world's worst at, um, letting them cut too much but i've just always wanted a horse that you can go show and not have to wonder if it's going to turn um it's a pretty big penalty when they don't turn so that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of my goal is just cut you know and then and then you can polish them up and that's i'm you know i'm constantly trying to pick guys brains on how to you know make my horses move better and clean everything up but at the end of the day they just got to work a cow and um so for me, I look for ones that are that are far along, and um, ones that you feel like you could go show pretty soon. And then I'll kind of back off a little bit. And I see guys do it a lot of different ways. Um, I think the only time you can get in trouble with having your horse too far along is you don't realize it, and you ask for more and more and more. Um, honestly, like, and I'm not bragging at all. Right now, these a lot of these three year olds I'm working they're they're pretty dang good you know like one cow and and that's i'm like i basically feel like i'm coasting right now and so then i'll when i feel like that then i'll put i'll put a tie down on them or something just do something different to them to where they've had it all whether they need it or not and um and that's part of that is you know i've i've been able to we have a trail here at j5 so like i've been able to get on my three-year-old's ride them around the trail, go work a cow on them. Like, I've had time to just mess with them. And uh, that's been incredible and, and great because, you know, it'll it'll be back to normal soon enough and then back to the showing and trying to train. And so looking for a horse that I feel like I could go show with no penalties. Con- consistency, no mistakes. Um, and, and I want a horse that's confident, you know, that that – you know, I want to feel like I can go out there and go show it and not just sit on it and hope, 
hope nothing bad happens. I want to be able to make my own luck. And to me, you could take a maybe a, a lesser horse, but if you have it trained really well and you like, you can present the picture like, "Hey, I'm showing my horse. I'm not just sitting on it." You'll, you know, you'll get a lot better score. It, on top of that, uh, just uh, personally on the day in day out grind of getting the job done and making your horse progress day in and day out. Is there any certain things that you try to remind yourself either when you're in a slump or when you feel like you're in a slump working horses or, or just so that you don't ever get yourself into a slump? hundred percent. It's, it's going to sound so stupid and simple, but it's this. I have to drive off at like in order for me to like get my, my feet on my horses. If I have like too many, if I have too many all the time, I feel like I quit working the cow, and I feel like um, I I lose like my feet uh, on my horse. So it's this simple. I just I'll step up to the cow, and if the cow turns, it'll stop. I put my cow side foot on them. I want them to just look into where I can see their eye. The horse's eye, when I look down at the horse, I just want to see half of their eyeball. That's how much I want them looking in. And that's pretty much it. So, like, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but if, if, if you can do that, you'll, your friggin' horse will cut, I guarantee you. And, well, and the horse would be listening to you as well as reading the cow, right? Correct. Like, so I want them to listen to me all the way up to the point when I'm wrong, right? So. Yeah. Like, if if I feel, like you said, frustrated or I'm fighting it or my it's just not clicking, I don't have a mojo, so to speak. Yeah. That's all. I'll just slow back down, get them to where you can put your feet back on them, and then it seems like everything kind of comes back into place. And I think the big thing, too, is just, is just the slowing down part. I think if your program relies on speed, it's going to short circuit at some point, and then um, that's the hardest part is just working slow, but keeping that intensity up, you know? So that's why a lot of times, like a lot of the train show horses and stuff, I work the machine on the flag, but I mean, don't work them a whole lot. I mean, we will leading up to a show and stuff, but right now they're kind of on R and R, you know? Yeah. To keep that, keep them liking it, keep them enjoying it, you know? So with that, you made your first Open Futurity Finals on two horses in 2011. Those two horses were X's and O's and Cat Blue. then came back in 2012, double finalists in the Open Division, Hi-Ho Nabisco and Mo Fay Ray. In 2014, another set of dual finalists, H&S Sophia and TikTok Shorty. And then in 15, you had Itchy's My Choice and Metallic Mistress. And then finally in 16, uh, the last time you appeared in the Open Fraternity Finals was aboard the Mare Mistressus. And really, arguably, I think everyone will agree with me, um, dual clay, any other year, that's an Open Fraternity Finalist easy. Uh, it's a great horse. As high as the yeah. scores were, I mean, as stupid as that semifinals got, like, you could have, we could easily be talking about uh, double-digit yeah. Open Fraternity well, Finals. I mean, and that's, it's, I never try to look at that, I mean, Usually, what I'm saying, when I first started in 2008, 2009, if I told you I marked a 16 and an 18 in the semifinals, you'd be like, good job, man. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was, hey, hats off to everybody that made it. God dang, it was it was awesome. Um, I don't think it's going to be like 
Cody's post the other day. I don't think it's going to be any easier this year. No. Thanks. <laughs> right, so, um, I remember you talk a lot about Cat Baloo. What, what do you remember about training him and showing him? Oh, that was, that was, that was, he was kind of like a, that horse taught me a lot. Um, cause he was a smaller horse as well. And, um, he, um, that horse was, I would say kind of like chatty little kitty, like used himself very efficiently. Um, was real, not, not super duper strong. He kind of got stronger as they went, but, um, he was, he was really consistent. I, and I, the biggest thing I learned from Capaloo, and I don't know how in depth we want to get, but like, you learn stuff as you, as you guys have all shown a bunch, you learn stuff as you go. So, I mean, I'm marking like 18s, 19s on this horse, cutting normal little black cows that we'd all cut. And so I get to the Paturity Finals and I'm last in the first set on Cap Blue. I'm like, I'm going to win today. I know it's the first Paturity Finals I made, but I'm going to win. So <laughs> why would I keep doing the same thing and mark 19s and 20s? I'm going to cut the Red Bramer, the cow would never cut ever. <laughs> <laughs> so first cow is like phenomenal second cow there's this cow that i would never cut ever and i'm like oh yeah let's try to win the fraternity and it smokes me and i mean it's like someone shot it with a hot shot as soon as i cut it it gives me four or five runs across the pen and just runs me over and um I just remember, like, okay, there's nothing wrong. Like, I'll take fourth place at the fraternity every year. I'm totally good with that. Like, there's, I took myself out, and I took the horse out because I was trying to, quote-unquote, win something. Well, that's when I really tried to be consistent as far as, okay, just do go with what got you there. Don't change your game plan because it's the final. Let the, let the judges decide where you place. Let the horse, you know what I mean? And if you have a good enough horse, that's that's like, Cody, you've had a really good horse. We've all had good horses. Your main goal is don't take yourself out. Let the horse do it. And that's almost, that's almost harder to show like that, you know? Knowing that you can walk down there and walk a 225 every time. Every uh, time, right. It, it, it you're makes the only it, Yeah, exactly. So speaking of 225s and chronological, kind of going in chronological order here, um, I just mentioned her, one of your Open Futurity finalists. Uh, you were the Open Reserve champion at the Super Stakes aboard this mare and then uh, took home the BI Open Championship aboard this mare. Itchy's my choice. Um, horse of the year, just an exceptional mare to watch. Loved watching you show that mare, whether it was in the World Finals or on the West Coast in Fort Worth. It didn't matter where it was. Tell everyone about where she came from, who trained her as a two-year-old, and then uh, what she was like to show for uh, her aged event career. My secret weapon, man, Richard <laughs> George. He's the sweetest. He uh, no, he uh, he had this mare um, as a two-year-old, and I honestly didn't really know much about her. Chubby Turner was the one that got the ranch really interested in her. And she had a she had a really good video. You know, when I say a video, her sale video for Western Bloodstock, like this mare looked incredible and bright and quick. And um, and what I'm learning now, especially with some of the horses we bought over the last couple of years, it doesn't really matter how they look in the sale ring. They're already pretty much sold before the, you know, or we know who's going to bid on what, and you know. 
So, um, not that there's any games or anybody's doing anything wrong. It's just half the time, if I'm like, we just bought a, a expensive mare this last year, and I'm more just kind of looking around, see who's bidding against me versus watching the horse, you know? So it was kind of one of those deals. I think Chubby pretty much made it known that they were going to buy this mare. And it seems pretty common now, but at the time she brought a bunch of money, 300000 and um And then uh, I got a call that like an hour later from Chubby and Constance and they asked me if I'd take the mare and train it. I said, absolutely. So um, Richard does an awesome job, like just gets him cutting. Um, he's a little unorthodox, like his 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 style is different than most. Um, but you know, he bought that mare for six thousand and sold her for three hundred. So how can you tell the guy's doing anything wrong? Like he did. Amen. <laughs> he's uh, and they cut and um, there's a there's way more good than 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 bad. That's for that's for dang sure. That's what I told him. I said you just. You just want to make sure that people um, people can get, like, they keep, I guess what I'd say to me is successful two-year-old programmers, they got to win across the street the next year. And that's, that's his horses seem to be doing that. So that's good for him. So, and like, with that horse, it itches my choice. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's countless runs that, you can name off of, and, and we can too, of of you having big time scores on her, uh, but and you you kind of prefaced prefaced it this just a minute ago, but um, what's the challenges you face like with after you have a a really good show on a horse like that, and maybe two consecutive or three consecutive shows where you're just out there, I mean, first, second, top five, what, whatever the case may be. And then the those the following show, after that streak, you don't make make the finals. Is is there a point time in there that you do you have to kind of go back to the, some drawing board on that? Or or is it just like, hey, we just kind of had some bad luck here or yeah, no, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm kind of fighting it right now with the fraternity. I made, you know, both both horses to the semifinals this year. And, like, I haven't made the finals in four years. Um, made the semis a bunch and stuff, but just getting over that next hump. I think I was extremely, I don't, I mean, I think lucky is not a great word, but it, getting all those, both horses in those finals, like, you know, a couple years in a row and stuff. I mean, three years in a row, I mean, that just doesn't happen a lot. So there is an element of luck in that for sure. Um, and I really tried this year to, I'm not going to say like we get lazy, but we do. As trainers, we get maybe a little lazy or a little, um, it's a grind, you know. And I really, this year, I was like, I had a hottish gelding and a dual mare, and I was like, okay. I'm going to do it like I used to do. You know, I used to, like, love going and watching, going to pre-works and watching everybody else's horses. And I tried to kind of, like, light my own fire again for this year. And, and, you know, got them both in the semis and then didn't advance out of the semis for whatever reason. Um, but I, I'm definitely going to be honest with myself. And, you know, on one horse, I didn't pick very good cows. 
And then um, the other horse kind of fell down and cost us, you know, maybe half a miss or something and cost us getting in there. Well, it's just that all two years of work and one little thing like that, and it's that's just it. Uh, was I pissed? Yes. Was I going to let it affect me or affect how I helped everybody else? No. So I'm realistic in the sense of like, hey, if my horse doesn't stumble, if I cut, you know, better cows on the other one, we're fine. So um, I think when when it's realistic, and it happened to me at a weekend show the other day, <laughs> I cut like three of the best cows I've ever cut in my life. And I marked a 71. <laughs> like, okay, maybe this horse just isn't good enough. <laughs> and so that's when I think you got to like be realistic. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about 2016 and, and you being the Equistat leading rider and kind of what that meant to you and, and how that made you feel. Oh, man. So it was, it was, uh, it was a long year because, um, you know, we did, we hauled, I had to, in order to win horse of the year, Matt Miller was kicking my butt so bad at the age events, I had to go to the weekend shows, you know what I mean? And so it, it came within a point. And, I mean, if it wasn't for, you know, basically Chubby making me go to those Mercurias and those weekend shows, I'd have never, he'd have smoked me. So I'm thankful for that. Um, it was, you know, something I've I've never even thought about. I've, I've, you know, I've still had the mentality of where I grew up, and I didn't come from this world, and I'm just trying not to embarrass myself every time I show. And then to be like the guy that won the most out of everybody is like unbelievable. Um, so I was, I was pretty proud of myself, and um, uh, but you're only as good as your next show. And it's like if you ask people who won Rider of the Year in 2016, I guarantee you half of them don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I look at is just you know I'm thankful and for everything and thankful to ride a horse like that that taught me like you know just stay out of its way. And, and you know, oh, I just—it's one of those things that uh, it might not ever happen again. But at least I can say it did once. I had a run at the World Finals that was sweet because uh, my, you know, I was—I liked because my dad was there for some reason, and he—he uh, he doesn't usually come to the shows very much just because he is busy. But uh, he was there, and the night I did well at the World Finals, that was—that was made it extra good. And then um, she had some time off. We did a little work, you know, we did stifle surgery on her and gave her a break after a four-year-old year. And to come back and win the Derby was was really cool, I thought, for the horse, you know. She'd already, like, she'd already won. I mean, she didn't need to win anything else. She proved herself. But And then probably the B.I. was, B.I. was cool because I was first horse, you know. And uh, to mark a, you know, 25 being first horse out, you got to, you got to, hanging out there and i was just happy that um you know that uh i i did what i i don't know stuck to my game plan and basically tried to force it on the judges like hey i'm trying to win mark yeah exactly my favorite one personally was your run at el rancho when you i believe it was when you won the open mercuria oh um, yeah tom that was kind of yeah tom had a 228 and I think yeah. We're yeah. Tough and, cows, man. They, they're uh -oh. eating on her the whole time. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks. That was, that was, and it's funny, you know, like the other thing is, I don't know, you you might have had, because the only reason I think about your stud is I got some of his babies that I like, and also, um, they're are they the same age? Yeah, I believe they were. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, just the, you know how good, like, the horse can be. And I'd have some runs that uh, maybe didn't feel, like, up to her standards, so to speak, or same with, like, your stud. But they that's when I learned from a judge's point, they look so much different from out front. You know what I mean? Like, we can be feeling all this stuff, but you can't see it. And they just, those horses just have a different kind of look that everybody's going for. And I don't know how to train it or not. I mean. No. It's, it's some of that stuff that, I mean, you can't ever train. I was there at Phil's when he trained Don't Look Twice. And, and yeah. I mean, he did the basics, stop, draw, turn, and, and just made her be correct all the time. But then when she started showing and just learned how to show, yeah. um, it, it, I mean, it just brought out a whole new element, and she became, you know, one of the greatest mares we've ever seen. But that run, I remember that run because, like you said, Tom marked a 228 on Metallic Al. He was, like, first out or second out or something to that effect. And he, it was one of those runs, just like, I mean, you didn't even know if it was really beatable, especially on how tough those cows were. It's hot in El Rancho in the afternoon, and, and we all know how tough those cows get. And they were tough for her, too. And she was a four-year-old going up against a lot of older horses. So, Yeah, that was cool. I, that's what I was proud of her about is she just this gritty, man. That's, that's hard to find. I'd like to say I, I put it in all of them, but I don't. <laughs> Grant, what are uh, some, some horses or, or some shows that you were at? Or actually, to be more specific, specific that you were in the corner helping one of one of your good friends was either showing or or uh it i mean doesn't necessarily have to be a good friend i figure it would be but what are some special moments from you sitting in the corner and watching someone else uh have a huge run uh so i think i hold the record for i led the super stakes for two and a half minutes because <laughs> <laughs> i showed and then Kenny Platt went right after me, and I, I get him out. And, I mean, God, that one year at the Super Stakes, I think his low score was like a 22 or something. I mean, he just blasted him, and he did kick my butt now. And uh, just to, just to you know, just be there for those types of runs are just awesome. Um, yeah. I've helped Spud. He had a really good run on um, his cat mare in Vegas. That was one one run that stuck out to me. Um, and then I remember a few years ago um, when Double G and Johnny, I don't think they tied. I think maybe Double G beat him by half a point. It was uh, maybe at the Derby in the, uh, in the Open Classic. And Johnny had that good mare he got from Taryn. And Double G was showing raising the cash. And that was just like the epitome of like just both of them could win it. Just what kind of style do you like? Johnny's run was fast and hard and like running and stopping. And Double G's was just like really horse set his head two inches above the ground just ripping it, you know. So it was just 
kind of those are those are two runs that stuck out to me, and it stuck out to me about if you had one judge placing it, like you couldn't get in trouble. Either run, both runs were awesome, you know. The year before that, when Taryn still had that mare, he was second to when Double G won the Derby that year. Yeah. So it, that horse was second two years in a row with two different riders. That's right. I remember that. That's crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. The same horse, yeah. It's crazy because we probably thought about it then, but never really like put a whole lot of thought into it until you remember those great runs and you think about what happened beforehand. Exactly. This interview has been brought to you by OK Brand Steel & Wire, committed to providing the highest quality fencing products at the most competitive prices since 1979. A family-owned and operated company headquartered in Medill, Oklahoma, OK Brand is proud to provide 100% American melted and American made fencing products. Whether it's max tight horse for your turnouts, horse panels for your stall, or barbed wire and field fence for your cattle, OK Brand is the brand to trust. OK Brand Fencing, ask for it by name at your favorite farm and ranch fencing supplier. And also be sure to learn more online at www.okbrand.com. So what are some different things that you're having to do or what's changed? Obviously, this coronavirus has affected the whole world and, and it's kind of a, it's a scary situation. It's a wild time to be alive right now. What are, uh, what are your thoughts on, on everything that's going on and what are some things that are different now? And I, I think, I think um, it's really eerie as a horse trainer to not get ready for anything. <laughs> like, we don't even know when our next show is going to be. Yeah. So. Um, that's kind of just a funky feeling. I'm going to, I'm the type of guy, I'm going to try to make the best out of anything. And man, we've gone. So every, every one of us on this phone call has gone hard, you know, the last few years and to take a little break and enjoy it is awesome. Yes. I would love to be on a beach somewhere or, you know, whatever, but I think I really don't think, you know, knock on wood, it's going to affect us. But I think by me being out and about is not doing my responsibility to society. And um, if I somehow was a carrier and somehow gave it to some old man, like I would feel horrible, you know. Yeah. So I just I try to just. Luckily, you know, we live on a place where we can still keep working yeah. and go outside and get some fresh air. Exactly, go outside and. Um, I ride, we ride our three-year-olds every day, and um, I'm done by 11. I've watched a lot more Netflix. That's one thing that's different for me than I've ever done. Um, and then just doing uh, Zoom slash Skype calls with my family. You know, they live in California and uh, kind of all over, really. But just the different, like, we don't even have it that bad here. And mm -hmm. just the stuff they got to deal with back there is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, how, are, how are your parents are they in california right now yeah they're in california they're doing good they're um they're i think my dad's going a little stir crazy he's buying old, old taxes and stuff in the backyard <laughs> just you know anything to do but um luckily you know you can still you can still go for a hike you can still go for a walk you can still get out you know and do something um but i'm gonna i'm gonna try to really focus on you know the the enjoy the fact that i don't have to worry about my show horses right now and we're even getting some babies out of some mares that we you know we might as well there's 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 a doubt so um stuff like that is positive 
Um, but I, I, you know, I, I think it's a serious thing. And I, I think the way I look at it is the longer everybody ignores it, the longer it's going to take to get it cleared up. So, um, you know, might as well do what they say to do. And yeah. Hopefully here before too long, it'll, everything's going to be back to normal, but it is some uncharted territory, I think, for a lot of people to even, like, get a grasp on, like, what this actually is or what, like, the harm of it all is because, I mean, it's not that often. I mean, there has been some things in the past, but just in a lot of, I mean, many different age groups, there hasn't been something like this where, I mean, we're literally, I mean, like, for me, where you guys live, I mean, we get, we're, we still... I mean, not much has changed work-wise, but I mean, a lot of the people in the cities and and oh. jobs, people that have jobs in offices. I mean, they're 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 nearly. I mean, they they can't do anything, and they I think it's work. yeah, and they're broke, and yeah. it's just. And could you imagine being stuck in an apartment? Like, oh. it's so bad for everybody. Um, and then you know, you're just watching your bank account go down every week, every month. Can't no way to get it back up. Exactly. So I, I feel really fortunate to do what we get to do for a living, you know, um, in that aspect. So, yeah, it's no one's ever seen anything like this before, and, and we might not ever again. Um, you know, I've just talked to a bunch of people about it, and um, bottom line, I just I just try to try to you know stay positive and. I, mean, I literally planted a garden the other day. Like, <laughs> I get a Jersey milk cow. I'll be set. Won't ever have to leave. Yeah. I made my mom's pot roast for the first time in seven years last there week. So it's the same thing. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. So you, so you mentioned some positive and uplifting things, and you also mentioned watching Netflix more than you ever have. How much better did you feel about yourself after you watched The Tiger King? <laughs> and you can't even make this stuff up like it's it's uh, if you if you're ever feeling down on yourself just just watch the tiger king and realize that you know that could be you so um i, I i'm not gonna lie i watched like the whole thing binge the whole thing same uh, and i i can't believe how how uh i mean how this is even like like, you couldn't script it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. No. Like, it and we, we've always seen the sign going up, you know, driving up 35 when yeah. we go to Oklahoma City. And Tulsa, and you see GW Zoo, and it was never, like, it was always like, huh, I wonder what that zoo is. Probably some old rundown thing. The whole time we were driving by this thing, there was, like, a lot of things going on over there at the GW uh, Zoo. Can you imagine? Yeah, I had no idea. And um, it's just... It's just one of those things that I uh, secretly I kind of wish I would have gone before all this happened. Just <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I just I can't believe. Uh, I mean, I can't believe there's still people like that out in the world. It's crazy. Un unfortunately, we've had a, a little bit of technical difficulties, and I mean, I wanted to hear K Rudd's thoughts on this, but I mean, it was it was literally like jaw dropping information after jaw-dropping information the entire time and I, I i mean there was there's so many i mean there's so many routes you can go on like 
morally or just like I don't know. There's just several different routes you can go, but there's the the person that like immediately when she came on car- camera, Carol Basket. I mean, she is just like She's the worst. Yeah, I mean, there's the not more, much more to explain I'll, 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 about it. I think's even more psycho than her is her basset hound looking husband. <laughs> <laughs> I think that guy is like an axe murderer of all axe murderers. <laughs> like no one is that quiet and nice. And, <laughs> How about when he was creeping up when they were reading all the plaques on the gravestone? She's like, "Oh, you're really walking right behind me, aren't you?" And he's yeah, just like, <laughs> like, like he's like the butler from Mister Deeds. Like, <laughs> God, yeah. how how good of a and an amazing showman was Joe Exotic, though? I mean, I mean, he's the character of all of all characters. Well, what I don't, what I don't honestly like, uh, what I don't. Or what I think is amazing is, like, we all, you know, I live in North Texas. We all live in a pretty conservative area of the world. And for him to be, like, openly gay and, like, this blonde mullet and, like, his guns and all that. Yeah. But, like, it's just amazing that, like, he was even halfway accepted in the community up there. I mean, I think. Yeah. But uh, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. It's not like we hung out very much. So I don't know. <laughs> the the worst part of that whole whole situation, I think, was just the the frozen meats and all the old meats that they oh. would truck in there to feed to the the lions. And supposedly, most likely, judging on the way everything else went in this whole story, <laughs> probably putting it on the old pizza toppings there when oh. they put the pizza place in. Got to make a profit, man. There you go. <laughs> free ingredients so you're gonna you're gonna capitalize on that no it's and and then you know some of those i i mean i'm not gonna get all crazy wishy-washy but some of those tires that didn't look like the best conditions (laughs) (laughs) you know but it's a tiger too so i mean i don't know yeah i don't know much about tigers but I do know that I've probably been watch that show one more time before I don't ever watch it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good one to binge watch for sure. Over under of everybody, and I mean everybody, being Joe Exotic for Halloween this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. That or, uh, He's going to be the biggest costume. Oh, yeah. Him or the um, his husband with all the tats. How about yeah. it? The tat on his belly that says like Joe property. Like, yeah, what? I mean, it's just like it made my. I was just like, what in the world? But yeah, that I got whole documentary. He had no shirt on the whole time. Like, what <laughs> yeah, is this about? And that's Netflix. You know, they show up with a case of beer and they're like, "All right, you want to do it with a shirt or no shirt?" <laughs> you know, he's gonna go no shirt every time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. If I you have a Pierce, you don't want to wear a shirt. It's a <laughs> Book it. I foresee many people being uh, definitely Joe Exotic, but also uh, old Doc Annell, the Hugh Hefner of, of Big oh, Cat Worlds. God, that guy with his little womb broom flavor saver. He was, oh my gosh. <laughs> that guy riding his elephant around like that was plenty creepy. Yeah, him and Bubbles, they grew up together. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. He was a doctor of mystical science. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that is, but... I'm yeah, pretty, I, I, I want to sure. meet a mystical science doctor. 
Yeah, I mean, at least you can say you're a doctor. <laughs> doctor and a hell of a cat trainer. Yeah. Oh, God. The one All thing right. that I took away from this whole Tiger King is that uh, you know, there's crazy people in all walks of life, but there's definitely the big cat group uh, in the world definitely takes the cake because there is yeah. not one single person on there that you think, whoa, uh, yeah, sit down with him might be okay. A hundred percent. Maybe uh, maybe Joe's campaign manager that was a, like a manager at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe's running for president. Yeah. No, I agree. It's... it's they're not so. But talk about the glow. Yeah. Talk about the glow up of the century. First year meeting, greeting people at Walmart. Now you're a campaign manager in a presidential election. <laughs> oh, moving on up. Moving on up. We're awesome, Grant. Obviously, we had a little bit of technical difficulties yeah, and we right. lost Caden, Caden for a bit. But uh, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, we appreciate you taking your time, taking time out of your day. And sharing us with what goes on at GS Cutting Horses at J5. And uh, we look forward to uh, the coming months and seeing what we're going to be doing here after uh, all this blows over. Yeah, we'll do it again. And um, I want to give you three Knuckleheads props because what you guys are doing is awesome. And more people listen to it than, than you think and or will admit. And... Keep rocking and rolling, man. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty entrepreneurial of you guys, so good job. Thanks, Grant. We'll be seeing you, you at Grant. the next cutting. All right. Sounds good. See you later. Later, Stepper. Yeah, big thanks to Grant Setnica for coming on the Section K podcast. And once again, apologies for the network issues that we were having. Uh, part of doing this whole deal remote, so... Um, just a little bump in the road. So hope you guys enjoyed today's chat and enjoyed a little bonus Tiger King talk with, uh, Mr. Grant Setnica, shout out Joe Exotic. So we hope you guys are staying safe and hope everyone is, uh, staying healthy out there. We'll be seeing y'all down the road. Past the point, no, no return, baby, on the summer night. Shot of love and a spark of love to be Starts to light and the month I'm not burned like the ground I leave I will leave it on the next train, baby I do believe Come on Let's ride this train Come on Let's ride this train Five, I don't hear it in my song I'm gonna pull my weight, don't get me wrong Brand new start and a whole new part They are big old shoes to fill I'll be there on that platform, babe You know I will Come on Let's ride this Single beat.
ride this train.